I bring greetings from Jan, and I'm excited to impart and share with you today some things that I believe will help you to really live out your walk in the Lord with more dynamic excitement and uh, touching the body of Christ. I have a new website. It's just arniejacobson.com. And on that website, uh, actually, Pastor Jurgen gives us a, a thumbs up and a few other guys to let you know that I'm, you know, I am real. And, uh, <coughs> but... Uh, you can go on there, and I preach a message entitled, Is There Not a Cause? We talk about David when he saw Goliath, and everybody was shivering, and he just said, Is There Not a Cause? And the cause really in the church. Yes, I believe in miracles. I've, I've seen miracles happen. But the greatest miracle is when someone gives their life to Christ, and their life has a revolutionary turnaround. Because even Lazarus, who came out of the tomb, he's not still living. He got sick and died again, but he went to heaven. So I really want to challenge you. The series that C3 is starting is about 24 hours of witness. I've entitled this little message today, In His Steps. I think that I've learned some things over the years, and it's really been impacted on me lately. I travel a lot. My wife doesn't let me travel quite as much, and I spend a little bit more time in the Midwest connecting churches and doing things. But this might be shocking to you because I say this everywhere I go. When it comes to reaching people for Christ... I mean, we go to conferences, great. We hear great teaching, great preaching. We read great books. I'm reading a great book right now, If, by Mark Batterson. It's fabulous. But the point is, we are here to duplicate ourselves. We're here to bring people to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't care where you go to church if you've got Jesus in your heart, right? And so many people come to church and they don't grasp that. I tell people all the time. You can stand in your garage all day long, doesn't make you a car. You can stand in church all day long, doesn't make you a Christian. So I, I really want to impart this to you, just sort of bite-sized. I think, do you, is there a number of those aware books laying around? Just give them away because it will go along with the website. You can walk through. I do about an hour and a half teaching, little segments. I taped it at Becca's Home Church, the church I founded in Green Bay. And um, it will help you because here's the thing. As much as I travel, and it's a lot, and I'm in churches of all different sizes across America, and when my wife lets me, I go overseas, most churches are educated far above their level of performance. (laughs) Think about that a minute. I mean, we run off to hear this speaker, that speaker. We go to this conference, that conference. We'll spend all kind of money, which is okay. I mean, it's building, but really, our neighbors can be going to hell in a handbasket because we haven't brought the message to them. How do you follow in his steps? How do you learn what Jesus did? You know, and I want to talk to you today about that, how we follow in his steps. Uh, Now, I've got a bunch of scripture, but I'm just going to hit a few of them to help us understand. I think if you'll put 1 Peter 2.21 up, is that what you do now? You actually put it up on the big screen? I'm excited about that. Now, let me read this to you. It says this. For this you were called. Turn to someone and say, you were called. Now this is the word of God speaking to us in his scripture. For this you were called. To do what? To go to conferences? All right. Come to church? All right. To do whatever? All right. But what were you called to do? Because Christ suffered and and is, I, I'm a hard time reading this. I, you know, I'm getting old. Oh, look on the screen. All right, let's do it there. For this you were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And I want to encourage you. Vince really received what I believe 
is a word from God. He shared it with the uh, staff and the, and the workers this morning that God wants to double this church in three months. Yeah. Now, how, how can that happen? How can that happen? It happens when God's people take principles and people begin to ask them, what is the deal with you? How come you are like you are? I found a little interesting statement that says, preach Christ, if necessary, use words. In other words, your life should be a, a charismatic example on how God wants to touch you, how he wants to minister to you. When I close the message this morning, I'm going to give you some things that have continued. I could, I could probably stand here two hours and tell you situations that God has brought me into because I was following in his steps. I was going where he wanted me to go. A lot of people say, well, that's Jesus. You know, Jesus said, before he went back to heaven, he said, I'm going to send the comforter and greater things you will do than I did. Now, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be drawing thousands of people, breaking bread and feeding all kinds of people. But I really, what he talked about is because the body's going to expand so much that just basically on how you can function, you can expand the kingdom. I was reading in the uh, uh, paper yesterday that the LDS church sends out like 68,000 missionaries. Would that be correct, Blake, something like that? By the way, Blake Murdoch is a very good friend of mine. His wife Katie is with him, and his father-in-law Denny is from Portland. He's a dentist, and uh, he won't have time to fix your teeth, but he'll say hi to you when he leaves today. Uh, Blake surprised me a car when I come. He uh, is my friend. We, he's been to Green Bay. We've gone to Lambeau together. We talk, we text from time to time. He's a man who loves God. He's a man who loves people. And listen, if you need a car. <laughs> now, some of you, I know uh, Mariah bought her car at Murdoch, didn't you? The missionaries. And uh, uh, I, had a, I got a number of them there. I had a disease. I'm, God's trying to cure me of that. But I tell you, they're honest. And if you go into uh, one of the dealerships, and if Blake is there, ask for the Arnie discount. And he will take care of you. And he's been to church with me at your church uh, in Green Bay. And we went to Sean's church and we went to a football game. And I can say this with a true heart. I love Blake Murdoch. So treat him with respect. Enjoy today. And we're thankful that he's here. Now, how do we follow in his steps? How do we, we talk about the spirit of God? And I want to I direct your attention to the uh, uh, book of John, chapter 14, and these, I'm gonna, I want you to see these verses, and I'm going to look at them. You know, I had, uh, I had my eyes fixed. I had cataract surgery. I didn't even know I had cataracts, because when you think of cataracts, I think of my older dogs, how they get, you know, white eyes. But then I got them fixed, and I can see really good, and I can even read really good. But if it's a little dark, I have a little hard time. In fact, it works so well. What am I doing? I got my eyes fixed, and it's amazing. He said, does that really work? I said, yeah, Sean. I thought you were a black guy before. <laughs> so, so now, now... Now I can see. But uh, I, need a, I need the Reader's Digest word. Put up that passage from John up here, would you? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Now, how do we get to that point in our life? I want to just for a moment spend on how do we move into that? Because most of us don't really understand what our role is. I have a personal mantra in my life, to know God and to make God known. To know God and to make God known. 
And so even if you went to my website, arniejacobson.com, you will see things that I do consistently and daily that God puts me in the path of people on airplanes, in my neighborhood, in restaurants. Uh, I, I occasionally go to Denny's. I like their, uh, Mike Bear's here and he owns a couple Denny's, but <laughs> I like their uh, grainy pancakes, whatever they are. So the manager there, I got to know her. I said, hey, I'm preaching at this church. She came to church, gave her life to Christ. And by the way, I was preaching on tithing that day and she filled out a card to start tithing the first day she came in. But the point was, we work toward getting people to ask us the reason for the hope that is within us. So you first got to realize that you're a child of God and that God can use you in ways that are unimaginable. Amen. And he'll put people in your path that you never thought you'd be able to re relate to. I led our mayor to the Lord in Green Bay. When I left the city, uh, he gave me a key to the city. Now, I don't know what it opens. <laughs> I tried to get into City Hall and see if I could get somewhere around, but I created a relationship with him. He helped us with signage on our church. He did all kinds of things for us. Becca got saved in our youth group. At one time, they were running close to 400 on Wednesday nights in the youth group. And you, know, you see what happened? And those kids, I'm bumping into them now. Many of them are in churches. They're serving God. Their parents weren't, in, weren't believers. It's all because we let the Spirit of God lead us. But where we miss it, now, I wouldn't want to embarrass you, but most of you in here, probably in the last five years, I wonder how many people you've actually brought into a relationship with Christ. It, it isn't, in, you know, so many times we just invite people to church. Well, come and hear Pastor Jurgen or Vince or whoever they might have preaching. It's all about you. People are hungry to know the Lord. When I was in Salem, Oregon preaching, and I'd been there a couple weeks, and I always, I did some door-to-door -door stuff, and the church was rather large and, and very prominent in the city. But I, uh, <clears throat> I pulled out of the parking lot. I'd been there two weeks. I hooked a left, and then I hooked another left. And there was a, a home that was sitting. And actually, their property came up against the church parking lot. And so I went up to the door, knocked on the door, said, I'd like to introduce myself to you. I am uh, the new pastor at the People's Church here in uh, Salem. And she was standing by the door, and her daughters, twin daughters were standing behind her. She got tears in her eyes. Now, that is not that emotional. Okay, you know, I mean, come on, let's, let's be real. And you know what she said? I have lived next door to this wow. church for nine years. Now, we had police directing traffic going into the church next to her house, and no one had even thought about inviting a neighbor to church. Wow. Now, it was open and always happened this way. She said, could you come back tonight? My husband and I are having some strains. And so I went back that night. Her husband accepted Christ. She accepted Christ. Amen. Those two girls got involved in the church. And God does stuff like that because I believe that God directed me that day. When I pulled out of the parking lot, it wasn't on my chart. I think I'm going to pull into the house next. I just pulled out and something just, you know, I went in. Now, what was that? That's how the Spirit of God directs us. Amen. And He wants to direct you like this. Yeah. Most of you miss so many opportunities you have people in your life, passing through your life, that you have an opportunity to share Christ with, an opportunity to do the things that are so great, to open up and share with people this wonderful, wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's turn to, to show you how God directs. Now I, it's probably I'm really capsulizing this part of my life in the last 
years since we moved back to Green Bay. We moved into a new neighborhood, built an, a new house. It's one of those planned neighborhoods. I mean, I don't drink, but if I came home drunk, I could pull in the wrong driveway because all the houses look the same. <laughs> but they plow the snow, and this year, man, there's a lot of snow. It's been so cold, there's things on the TV say, don't stay out more than 10 minutes, your body parts might start falling off. <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> but I've, I've already led my one neighbor to the Lord on the left side. He was, he was mad at the church. He's an older guy. He had come back from Vietnam, and his wife was pregnant, and the Catholic hospital would not deliver the child because he didn't have insurance. So I just flipped it around. He told me. I told him. He accepted Christ. Another neighbor accepted Christ. But I, I, I'm really praying, God, just... Now, that, I do that kind of stuff naturally. Yeah. But I, have, I, I, I relate to what you said about being shy. There's six kids in our family. I was the middle child, and I was painfully shy. I mean, people who know me now, they just can't believe it. But God does a work. And if you're shy, God wants to make you something Amen. you never thought you could be. I have a book on epitaphs. You know, in, in England and, 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 and in Europe, one of the things they're quite crafty about is putting a, a catchphrase on the tombstones that would capsulize your life. And what, one of, I got this little book. I read it from time. But my favorite one is this. I can't even remember the guy's name. But it said, he did what he couldn't. Think about that a minute. you got to tell yourself. See, a lot of you say, that's not for me, that's Arnie, uh, that's somebody else, that's Vince, or you got another person that shakes everybody's hand and they're, they're really nice and outgoing, but God, through his spirit, and sometimes we can get sidelined and not do what God wants us to do, right? And so it's important to realize that he wants to lead and guide and direct your steps. I want to I go to a very sort of familiar portion of scripture about uh, the Macedonian call. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. Should we go there real quick? It's coming. I feel it. <laughs> Did they give you that one? Oh, nice cross there. <laughs> well, let me, let me explain it to you. It's not a big deal. I mean, just trust me. It's in the Bible, all right? Aha! <laughs> uh -huh. Now, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying. Now, stop there for a minute. I know people, I like a small church. I've had people tell me that all the time. We have people come to our church. We have thousands come. They say, I want to go to a small church. Well, that's fine. We can say if you can go. But you know what? Anything that is healthy is going to reproduce. Are you with me? If it's healthy, it's going to reproduce. And when you talk about numbers, it isn't like, you know, we want a lot more numbers and a lot more tithe and all that stuff. That's not it. We want people being converted from a lifestyle. But now here's the deal. God, you know, people water. The Bible says some water, some plant, some reap. I'm always watering. I'm trying to plant. And many times, because of how God leaves me, leads me, I'm able to reap and bring people into the kingdom. So Paul, much of what you see in the book of Acts is his missionary journeys. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, the book of Galatia was written to the Galatian church because Paul took a missionary journey there. Yeah. So it's great to plan for things. But listen to this. Now, in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews. You know, Christians have always been complaining. The dirty bums. <laughs> yeah, I've had people say, well, your church isn't perfect. I say, you find the perfect church. Come and yeah. get me. I'll join it yeah. with you. Anyhow, complaint against the Hebrew by the Hellenists because the widows were neglected in their daily distribution. Then the scripture goes on and talks about Paul was going to, he had planned to take a trip to Macedonia. 
And so they were all set, packed, ready to go, on the move. In fact, they were already heading toward, toward another area. It was Macedonia. And then God comes and says, I want you to go to Macedonia. Think about that a minute. So they went, had a great response. But most of us are so programmed in what we do, we don't allow the Spirit of God to guide and lead and direct us. We just, okay, I know people, that's what I planned and that's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And sometimes we have to be flexible enough in our life that when you get these little promptings to listen. Now, my favorite uh, story, I want to camp on this for a minute, is the woman at the well. Now, I'm not going to project. It's John chapter 4. I'm going to tell you the story. Now, when Jesus was walking this earth, the Samaritans and the, and, and the Jews did not get along. In fact, the Jews hated them because they were half-breeds, because they're, they're so into, I'm a Jew. They're happy. So here they're going, and Jesus says to his disciples, I have to go through, through, I have to go through Samaria. And so he was prompted and led by the Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, these three are one. He's led by the Spirit to go to Samaria. And and they were hungry. So the disciples go into town to get some grub. Jesus sitting down by one of the great wells there that were planted by the spiritual fathers. Water is very important. And he's waiting for his disciples to come back, and he's thirsty. So he sees this woman coming. She's got a pot on her head. And now he knows all about her. He knows that she's had five husbands. She's living with guys. She's living. She's a loose liver, and I'm not talking about the organ. I mean, she is loose. Now he could have said, hey, I know a thing about you. You're living with these guys, blah, blah, blah. She'd have hit him over the head with the water pot and left. He, he led the conversation to something in the familiar basis. And then, of course, here's the other thing, too. She tried to get him into a religious argument. I want to tell you, religious arguments never work. In fact, you do more harm arguing, find common points. And you'll find out sometimes people that you didn't think were what they are, you'll find out they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? Blake and I have had a lot of those conversations, haven't we? Now, the reality is, so she comes, he tells her all this stuff. The disciples didn't want to go there. Because it wasn't the most best place, the best place they were schooled as kids. These Samaritans, half-breeds, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so they get in an argument where they're going to worship. Jesus handled that. He said, he just steered away from it, and he steered her to living water. Because I want to tell you, people who don't know Christ have a void in them that only Jesus Christ can fill. Now, how sometimes this works, it's amazing. It's amazing how it works. And so... By that time, then she goes back into town. I'm just paraphrasing. It was for time. And she tells everybody, I met someone who knows knows everything about me. So they came, and a bunch of people embraced Christ because he just didn't head where they thought they were going. He told the boys, I've got to go through Samaria. Right? Holden, how are you doing today? You're doing good. Let me just tell a little story about Holden, for example. His grandfather is one of my best friends. I was pastoring a little church in Merrill, Wisconsin, and uh, we had my first church, town of 9,502, and I don't think they've grown in the last 40 years. And uh, we came there, a little bitty church, nine people. We were there seven years. We left, there were like 700 attending. And it was a time where I really, really focused on a lot of this stuff. But uh, my brother's in the car business. He's a car salesman. He's just retired, but he still sells cars. He's just, he could sell, 
you could, you could sell you a car if you lived in an island and you couldn't drive cars there. <laughs> but he always got me my cars. And back then, that was before you knew all of the, I don't use like the word under the table money. That's not a good word, is it? <laughs> but they had, the dealers would get kickbacks that no one knew about. Now everybody knows about it, so they just use it as part of their dealing and wheeling, which is fine. So I had sold my Cutlass to a lady that owned a print shop. And I needed a car. Now, I always would drive up the 150 miles and get my cars from my brother. But I was going by the Olds dealership, and I spotted this blue Cutlass equipped just like I wanted it. So I went into the dealership, and there was a new owner. His name was Frank Vallea. I went in, and I said, Frank, I can, and I, had my, I, I ran the numbers. My brother checked it, so I knew what they paid for it. And I knew how much money they had to play with. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> I just did my, my mother's funeral a year ago. And the funeral director there in my hometown, I led him to Christ. And he's got a very successful funeral business. And my mother only had so much money left. So the day after she died, I'm sitting while we're planning the funeral. And the money she had left, apart from what the funeral was going to cost, I got him to come down on the funeral to, to hit that deal. I like the wheel and deal. And I mean, she's with the Lord anyhow. She'd have been proud of me. So anyhow, so anyhow I... Uh, I went in and, and he said, I'll sell you the car for $50 more than your brother. You can't drive up there and back for 50 bucks. So I went in. He sent me to a salesman. His name was Steve. And uh, so I said to him, uh, we talked a while. And he said, what do you do? I told him. And I started talking about the Lord. And when he was a little kid, he had gone to a Baptist church on a Sunday school bus down in North Carolina, South Carolina. And uh, just talked to develop a rapport a couple days later, he calls me up. It was on Monday. Monday's my day off. It's sort of my sacred day. If, if someone's not dying or someone's ready to jump off a cliff, that's a day that I just sort of take as my day. So he called me up and said, hey, can, can you come over and see me? I said, can we do it tomorrow? He said, no. He said, I'm in trouble. And he was in a relationship that he shouldn't have been in with, with my friends. Mother. I don't know if you know much about this. Uh, and I don't want to. <laughs> Ken would shoot me, but. So he, he, he thought, and Ken was a very successful real estate man, and he didn't want anybody messing around with his wife. And they lived in Monaco, Wisconsin, beautiful area. And he said, I think he's going to put a contract out on me. He said, every time a Cadillac drives through the, the lot, I dive underneath the desk thinking I'm maybe going to get wiped. I said, man, you better get saved right now. So I led him to Christ. It was an exciting time. And pretty easy. Pretty easy. Well, then I... Uh, he said, uh, I want to get back with my wife. And he said, I've, I've, I've not had a healthy relationship, with, which would have been Holden's grandmother. And I, I don't have to go into too much about that. But uh, so the next day he calls me, and he brings Holden's grandma, she, yeah, your grandma, down to my office in Merrill. And she, she wants to get back with her husband. He wants to get back with his wife. There was just tension. So I led both of them, I mean, I led her to the Lord in the office. Well, that night, so then I called his real estate office up, it's like 75 miles away, and I asked for Mr. Hansen. They said, well, he's busy. I said, tell him I've got his wife in my office. Boom, I had him on the phone. So I said, Ken, you might not understand, but God's doing some great things here. You don't know me, and blah, blah, blah. So he said, I want to see you. I want to meet with you. So that night, Steve and I, oh, he lived in Monaco and drove down to work at this dealership. We drive up to meet Ken. Now, this is a tense situation. So we're down there, and, and please, just keep this. You know, Ken, I know I've told the story many places, and Ken wouldn't be mad because they love God, have a great relationship. Uh, his mom is their daughter. So anyhow, we go up there and go into this real estate office, and if looks could kill, Steve's a dead man. <laughs> Probably wasn't too smart. Man, we both could have got killed on the spot. 
So I walk in, I'm trying to explain this. I said, you know what, this is too sordid. Ken, you need to give your life to Jesus. Now, I wish I had this on film. He drops to his knees. Steve's dropped to his knees. Wow. He prays a sinner's prayer. They start crying and they're hugging each other. Wow. Now, so then Ken said, I want to come to your church. So I said, well, Ken, there's a church in Monaco. You want to drive 60 miles? He said, no, I want to come to your church. So that Sunday, he came to church, brought your mom and your two aunts with, Trudy and uh, Teresa. That Sunday morning, they gave their life to Christ. Oh All right? So, so then he says, I want to start a Bible study. Because a lot of his friends, they made a lot of money, but, you know, money was God and family wasn't always first place. Are you, are you tracking with me? Yes. And so I go up to Monaco. We start a Bible study in Monaco. In one year, we led 126 people to the Lord in his living room. Now... It's amazing, and many of them, they're, they're serving God, they're active in churches, and it's, what if I wouldn't have said something to Steve that day? Yeah, yeah. If he said, man, I'm diving under, I said, well, you know, maybe you ought to wear a vest or something, and I would have gone home. <laughs> you see, there are a lot of people at every different strata of life and society, yeah. Yeah. and you're rubbing arms with them on a regular basis, yeah. and you're educated enough to do something, right. but you're not performing. Oh, now, I do have the gift of irritation, too, <laughs> all right? So that started there. And now here's what God's been just, when I say saying to me, I want to be careful about that. I mean, God does impress things on our spirit. You know, if you need to God to talk to you, read this regularly. Amen. It'll keep you out of heresy, all right? So I've been praying really, I've started really, God, lead me. Help me, direct me. Like this lady at Denny's. And I could go on and on. And since, but I'm, I'm going to start and tell you some stories just to encourage you. because I, I, this You can get all my stuff and how to do it on my website, arniejacobson.com. It's free. You know, it's free. But um, Christmas, and we, uh, how many of you want to see your family come to Christ? Amen. I mean, they're not serving God or they're off and maybe you raised them in your church and now they're not coming back. You know, that's number one, right? <laughs> So I've developed, I wrote a little book a while back, years ago, called Five Keys to Reaching a Family for Christ. I incorporate a lot of that into this teaching and into the little manual. But I, I mean, my grandmother had 16 children. Wow. No, no, no uh, triplets or singles, you know, no, not, it was just boom, 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 just 16 of them. <laughs> I did my grandmother's funeral about 38 years ago. At the time, she had 169 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. If we ran the numbers now, man, it's unbelievable. But I'm saying, Lord, I want to reach those people. Cousins, second cousins, third cousins. I did have a funeral for one of my uncles, and about 200 of them came to Christ at a funeral. But let me just tell you what happened recently. There's this little place we go to up in Dora County, and it's, it's just a neat little restaurant. Well, come to find out about a couple years ago, when, even when we were on vacation going back there, we'd eat there. Come to find out my third or fourth cousin, Vicki, works there. She's a server. And uh, we connected a little bit, just, no, that's not, but I started praying for Vicki. And then I asked her, I said, Vicki, how's your life? She said, it's good. And, and her husband, they used to live in Utah. He was in the Air Force, and, and she loves Utah, too. And we just were connecting on some of those things. So over the year, we just talked. We'll go in. I mean, she's in the restaurant. Her husband had brain cancer. And for four years, and so it was about, oh, six months ago, we were up there, and I said, uh, how's your husband? He said, oh, he's bad. It's really bad. And, you know, they had a lot of treatments, really bad. So I, I, right away, I'm thinking, you know, when people are sick, they're vulnerable. You see, when we have sick neighbors or you work with sick people, that's when you really need to step up and be God to them. Not throwing scriptures at them, not telling them they're going to hell or any of that other kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. 
just being, when, all, when, all, when necessary, don't preach. Just let your life speak to him. So now, fast forward, it's Christmas. And I had, we had to go to Walmart and pick something up. I mean, Walmart is packed. So we're walking down the middle aisle of Walmart. And in this throw of people, here comes Vicky with her mother. Now, going back a while, when Vicky was a little girl, she's about 10 years younger than me, her parents had a fish market in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and that's where you guys came from. And, and that was before I was a Christian. I'd go over there, and Vicky would be bouncing around because she was a little, little girl. And so I hadn't seen her mother, Lois, I mean, probably in 40 years. They're coming down the middle of the aisle, and I, well, oh, Vicky, Lois, I didn't recognize her because the trips around the sun had aged her considerably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't tell her that, though, please. I mean, kind. So I said to her, Vicky, how's your husband? She starts crying. She said he's dying. I don't know how long he's going to last. And she said, we've never been to church. Would you do his funeral wow. when he dies? Because, I mean, hospice, the whole nine yards. I said, sure. And then she, I said, you know, Vicky, church isn't where you go on Sunday. It's where your heart is. Now, he'll direct you to where you should go. So right there with all these people sweat in Lois, I said, Vicky, do you want to accept him right now? So I just prayed a little simple prayer with her in Walmart. Then I said, I really want to come out and see your husband. So two days later, she calls, and she said he's still with it, but the doctors are saying he maybe has a week. Now, this is just eight weeks ago or so. So I go out to the house. Her three kids are visiting, and her older grandkids. So I talked to him in the kitchen a little bit, set it up, and we go into his room. He's on his bed. He's dying, okay? So I said to him, Bob, if you don't have Christ in your heart, now would be a good time. You know, and normally they don't argue with you then. I mean, they're facing the Grim Reaper or something. And, and so he, he, uh, he's just so weak. So I looked at the whole family and said, would you like to all give your life to Christ just like your grandpa's going to do today and Vicky, your husband? Wow. Yeah. And they're crying. Now, it was an emotional setting, but they all gave their life to Christ. So then she has the funeral. And it was in a funeral home, but the place was packed. And man, when I do funerals, man, they're already gone. We can't, we can't get them any further one way or the other. So man, I shared in that place. And man, I want to tell you what. It was dynamic. It was dynamic. What God can do. One last story. And when they start playing the organ, that means, cool it, your time's up. But I didn't fly all the way here to... One last thing. I graduated high school in 1964 when I was three years old. <laughs> so, you go to your class reunions, you know. I went to the 40th, and I, I went to the thing, and, and I'm telling you, I got in a little trouble over this. I drove in, and I saw all these old people walking up. I, I actually looked in my mirror and, said, and looked at Janet. These people, I mean, and a lot of them up there, they drink too much, they crowds, they do And I want to tell you, when people talk to you about living a holy life and, and living pure, it has a lot of benefits, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. forget about, I mean, you'll live longer right. if you live right, yeah. and you won't even be as wrinkled. And I mean, there's a lot of good things. Yeah. I saw Mark Eaton last night at the jazz game, man. That sucker looks like he's 100, and he's big, of course. But uh, so anyhow, I, uh, so I got to tell you what I did real quick. So that Sunday, I'm preaching at our church, and we were on television. Uh, it was taped delayed a week. And I, I went to my uh, 40th class reunion, and I said, man. I said, it looked like recess at a rest home. 
So then after, you know Tim, Tim, our TV guy, I go to Tim after, I said, Tim, delete that, delete it. He forgot. I got a few nasty grams from some of my classmates, you know, because they watch this on TV. But anyhow, let, let me take it one step further. There was one of the guys that was my good friend, his name was Bob Grundon. Bob was a great athlete. Uh, and so now every summer they do a little interim thing where those that are around get together. My wife hates to go on that stuff. But I dragged her along. It was at a beautiful beach up in Door County. The waves were rolling in. It's just gorgeous. So I walk in. There's probably 30 there. And I'm sitting in this little warming house place. And it was warm then. Now you need, you need a real warming house. And this guy comes in. He's got his hat pulled down over his head. And he said, Ernie. And I peeked under his hat, looked down. I said, Bob. And uh, I said, how are you? He said, I'm pretty sick. 25 years earlier, he was in a terrible car accident. They didn't think he was going to live. My brother Jerry called me and said, Bob's in the hospital. That's what I was pastoring in Green Bay. And I went up to the hospital, and he was in a cast in a coma. And I laid my hand on his hand. It was sticking out of the cast, a full body cast, and he's out. And I said, Lord, touch Bob. So he tells me, he said, Arnie, you got magic in you. You, did, you didn't even, I, I was never able to tell, but I felt something that day and I started getting better. Miracle, right? Now here's the deal. He's not far from death right now. Miracles only get the attention of God. Now they're nice when you get them, if it's cancer or healing or whatever. So uh, we talked a little bit, finished the deal, went home. Now my older brother Dave, my mother passed away a year ago. My older brother Dave died in last December. And, he, and Dave's a good guy, loved God, but he didn't take care of himself. Died, complications of diabetes. I had his funeral. And uh, so, but before he passed, he was in St. Vincent's Hospital. That's, a, that's, our, that's the tallest part building in Green Bay. It's nine stories. That tells you that, you know, Green Bay is not the biggest metropolitan area in the world. So I would have to, I would run up and visit him every day. And they have special pasture parking there. And I, I mean, I know that like the back of my hand, I pull in, I go upstairs. And there's about six spots. And I think the police and sometimes park there. So that particular day, I'm going to visit him. I pull in. I can't get in the special parking. Now I've got to lower myself, whip a U, go back. And they'll, they'll park your car, valet parking. But I hate to wait. I stamp my foot in front of the microwave. I'm just... So anyhow, I had no choice, so they take my car. Now I gotta go in the hospital, different entrance. So I get on this hall, and at the end of the hall is where the admitting is, and I took a left, and I was gonna go up to the elevator, go visit my brother. I'm going there, there's a guy in a wheelchair with a hat on his head, Arnie, it's Bob. So he tells the nurses, pushing, this guy's got magic. I said, Bob, I don't have any magic. I've got Jesus in me. So I prayed for him right there, and they take him up to surgery that afternoon. When I was driving home, I had this voice said, go see him tomorrow. And I'm telling you, I just felt I had to go see him. That's that voice, that's, and, and this happens to me all the time. And whenever I go, there's great success. And you know what, I'm no better than you, no different than you. I, I have all the excuses. Now, so the next day I go up to the hospital, he's out of surgery, he's sitting in, the, in, the, in, in, in a chair, and, and I, I said, first of all, Bob, I gotta let you know I have no magic. I want to, I, I, we must decrease, he must increase, right, right? So he got the point, and I said, Bob, what you need is personally accept Jesus in your heart. That's what you felt like when I prayed for you 25 years ago, and, and so he said, I, I need to. And he, before I could pray, he said, you know, I was thinking about killing myself. 
He said, in fact, I got the gun at home, this surgery stuff, it's a pain that took out three quarters of his lung and he smoked. That stuff will get you. I smoked before they put on the side of the package, these suckers will kill you. And as soon as I found Christ, I quit, all right? Thank God, right? So I prayed with him and he accepted Christ as his savior. That's how God leads, directs, and he wants to lead and direct you. Now I close with this, I hope I can see it. Most of us take eyesight for granted. I talked a little about my eyesight. It's amazing what they could do. They fixed me up. I'm, I asked the doctor, I said, will I see this good when I die? He said, yes, you will. The rest of it might be going bad, but I'll, you'll see good. <laughs> but even the simplest of visual processes are very complex. The retina conducts, listen to this, 10 billion calculations every second. And that's before the image is even transported, transported to the optic nerve. Billions of these thoughts and impulses are firing. Now people say there's no God. Who created that? Give me a break, right? Now if a God can do that, where when I, I just looked at Vince, just in a second, 10 billion influences went through my mind, transferred his shape to me, just boom, like that. Now here's, here's, what, here's what I got from that. What if you began to realize that God wants to use you? Amen. Not just come to church, not just read your Bible, not just tithe, all those good, good things. Yep. But he wants to start talking to you about your neighbors. He wants to make you something special at work. He wants to make you something special in your family. Yes. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. And we can't put that in a box. Yeah. You know, we can't take the, the ecclesiastical scissors and cut it out and using poor biblical exegesis to poor, prove that it's not correct. But to me, the Holy Spirit is my friend. He amplifies my steps. And you know, when we scheduled this, I didn't know that they were kicking off a 24 hours of sharing your faith. God started speaking to me about this. Vince talks this morning in the thing. That's how God works. Yeah. So I'm not here just because I like Salt Lake or I've got some friends here. I'm not just here for that. I'm here because I'm on an assignment to shake you loose, to become all that God. And you know what? I don't care if you're old, young, middle-aged, or whatever, or looking good for your age. That's what people tell me now. Oh, you look good for your age. Thank you. <laughs> So here's, I want you to stand with me, and we're going to do two things first. January 3rd, 1967, I sat in a restaurant, and I gave my life to Jesus. I wasn't joining a church. They didn't ask me for anything. But I had, I had agony in my life. Things of this world, getting drunk, chasing girls, it just wasn't satisfying. So I prayed that prayer. I didn't hear the Star Spangled Banner. I didn't weep and gnash my teeth. But all of a sudden, within just hours, a radical 180 took place. That's what we called our youth group, 180. Radical 180. And God changed my life. He set me on a different course. My girlfriend cut me loose, and she was a cute little thing. She said I was no fun anymore. Then I spotted Jan in the choir a couple weeks later, and I said, ah, I was still a guy. Come on now. And after 50 years, we're still cooking. Hasn't all been perfect. You've heard me say this before. On our 25th wedding anniversary, I sent her 17 roses for the 17 good years we had together. <laughs> Marriage is work. Come on. 
But if you're here today and you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, we're not asking you to join 3C. What we're asking you to is to commit your life to Jesus. Now, if you're here today, bow your heads, close your eyes, everybody. If you're here and you don't have Christ in your heart, raise your hand right now. Is there somebody looking around? Anybody? All right, looks like we're all Christians. That's good and that's bad. You should be dragging it. Oh, if, if you have your hand up yet, ma'am, do you have your hand up set forward? Or you do? Would you come down here for a minute? We got a team that wants to pray for you. Let's give her a hand. Come now, I know I've gone over a couple minutes, but th this is only going to take a second. How many of you want to be led by the Spirit? You want to touch your family, your friends, and your workplace without looking like an idiot? Right? Put your hands up. Everybody, if, if that's you. Because all, you know what? I got my hands up because I can get better at this. I want to pray for you. Vince really feels like God's spoken that the church is going to double. Some of that will be moving. Some of that will be your families and friends. Look at this. New room's almost filled already. You might have to move back across the hall. Come on. All right. Now here. I'm just going to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want your spirit to begin to guide and direct and that people will get up in the morning and say, God, let me be a light for you. If I can't use words, there's going to be something about me. So Father, take us, use us in ways unimaginable. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.